Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to this week's episode of Meal Liberty. I'm your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I am thrilled to have you here this week. Uh, this week, uh, first of all, um, happy Independence Day. If you missed our episode yesterday, please go back and check it out. Uh, we, I, I gave a short little Independence Day message for uh, you all, and it is one that I feel like is... Uh, very important, and um, I think there were a lot of lessons that the Founding Fathers uh, provided for us in how to properly um, lead an effective revolution slash movement that can certainly be applied to the liberty movement today, um, and that was essentially the topic of the the episode yesterday, so if you haven't listened to it, please go back and check it out. Um, but today we are going to do something that um, we haven't, we've touched on a few times, um, not this specifically, but the, the broader topic we have touched on a few times, um, and it is especially relevant today and with that being um there is a movement within our political discourse right now um, that encompasses a wide array of individuals that is very fascinating um and i'm sure you've heard of you know people talking about abolishing ice and no that's not the cold uh frozen liquid that you stick in your beverage we're talking about um, the government agency that deals with immigration and has been, in large part, been separating uh, families and recent news especially. Uh, well, that is why I brought on a Young Voices contributor this week, uh, Adriana Vasquez, who is who has written a piece in Counterpunch uh, back in April that uh, was discussing about the need for uh, abolishing ICE completely, um, completely disbanding it, why uh, the left sort of gets this one right and this very specific, very particular case, uh, why the right needs to get back to their roots um, and get back to their small government, let's abolish practically everything roots, um, and, uh, and what libertarians can do to sort of moderate this discussion between, um, individuals on both the left and the right. Now we've had, uh, we've had discussions, we've had, uh, talks about immigration before on this program. Um, and you know, I, I try not to rehash too many things because then it just becomes repetitive and I just start saying things. Uh, saying the same things in different ways, and I don't want to do that because uh, you all know how I feel in in some capacity about immigration. Uh, but this is a topic that we haven't really touched on before. I, I I've said before that um, you know there are really only three objections uh, to immigration that people, when it comes down to it, these are the three objections that people have whenever it comes to immigration. It's either economic reasons, it's either cultural reasons, or it's national security reasons. And now the last point I do believe is probably the most valid point. That doesn't mean that all of the uh, subject matter pertaining to it is valid. It just means that out of all of them, there it's the most reasonable, and I can understand why people have national security concerns, especially with everything going on in the world today. Um, however, I I think that 
all that eventually does is create the same sort of effect that the war on drugs create, that prohibition created back in the 1920s, where the prohibition of immigration, the prohibition of of human movement across borders itself creates a more dangerous and more um, hostile border environment than what would happen if uh, if we let things be and let let people cross the border uh, naturally, um, so that way they wouldn't have to go to say the cartel or we, or whenever we do find a cartel, they don't really have any reason to try to steal kids to smuggle across the border. Um, that that creates a much safer environment. The same way that when you legalize drugs, it creates a much much safer. A marketplace for those very same drugs. Um, that is essentially what we're not not uh, not drugs or anything, but that is essentially what we're trying to discuss and talk about on this episode. Um, so, if you are a libertarian, you should be thrilled about the idea of abolishing yet another government agency. If you're on the left, you should be thrilled about the idea of having um, having immigrants protected. Um, and if you are on the right, you should be thrilled about the idea of returning to a small uh, constitutional government that our framers intended for it to be, not what our framers feared it to be. Um, so that is our episode this week. So please sit back and enjoy my interview with Adriana Vasquez about abolishing ICE. Adriana, welcome to uh, Liberty. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I am very happy to have you on here. I'm very happy that we could uh, get this set up. And um, you have a very interesting article in Counterpunch, and it's a few months old now, um, but it is as relevant as ever, I believe, um, especially, you know, today's uh, the, the day after Independence Day, and I think this is really timely. Um, why don't you go ahead and, and sort of give us the summary of, of what you wrote about and, and why it is sort of having a resurgence in popularity right now. Sure. So this article I wrote in Counterpunch, uh, the title is If We Want to Save Families, It's Time to End ICE. Um, and basically, I, I talk a little bit about some of the ICE raids that have happened here in California. I'm out here in the Bay Area. Um, and I talk about how ICE is coming in and um, disrupting families. They are deporting um, parents, separating children from their parents. Um, there's an estimated, um, I think it's an estimated 4 million children have at least one undocumented parent. Um, and so if, basically I say, if the Trump administration is trying to deport all of those people, that's going to be a lot of children living out without at least one parent. Um, and this can cause um, a lot of hardships in their life, um, not having both parents around. It can cause um, a lot of uh, trauma, especially at a young age, um, development problems. They can have a harder time in school, um, financial hardships on the entire family. Um, so basically, I argue that if we want you know, this future generation of Americans 
to live the best life they can possibly live, then it's in our best interest to keep families together. Um, and I say, you know, that's the best way to do that is to end ICE and end uh, these deportations. So let me let me um, play a little bit of devil's advocate. Why end ICE? Why not just like sort of amend it or change its protocol or or maybe restructure it into a, a different organization so that way that family separations don't necessarily happen, but there's still some form of immigration enforcement? Sure. Um, I think a really important thing to remember here is that ICE has only existed since about 2003. So it's mm -hmm. a relatively new organization. And I think a lot of people don't even know that. Um, so we're not talking about some long standing tradition. Um, and we've seen, especially in especially since the Trump administration has come to power, that they have really focused on just deporting everyone. So there is, in 2017, a 146% increase in um, non-criminals being deported compared to the years before. Um, and so I think that this organization doesn't exist really to enforce immigration, enforce the borders. It really is just a way to terrorize people, um, to take families apart. And so, you know, I don't know that this organization is, or institution is really doing any good. Um, and, you know, in addition to the fact that it hasn't been around that long, it costs tax taxpayers about $6 billion a year. So the things we would be saving and, you know, the human costs, the monetary costs, I I think it's just best if we abolish it. Um, why do you think, um, I mean, obviously, you know, ICE is really, um, really all over the news um, from a lot of people on the left, a lot of people within libertarian circles, um, and then also, you know, conservative circles for, for the opposite, uh, mostly the opposite reasons. But um, were you expecting this sort of... Um, uh, resurgence and, and relevance uh, whenever you originally wrote this, or was that something that you sort of expected to eventually happen? You know, I don't know if I had expected it really to um, have this resurgence right now. Um, you know, I've seen kind of the Abolish Ice movement, um, you know, in the internet sphere. It kind of seemed a little more fringe. Um, definitely in the liberty movement, there are people who have been talking about it. Um, but to see this resurgence, especially kind of happening on the left, is really fascinating to me and I think kind of exciting because it's a huge opportunity to kind of build bridges and um, kind of talk to these people who maybe, especially in the liberty world, we have a harder time talking to and say, oh, here's something that we agree on. Um, yes, this government institution is doing harm, like, it's time to get rid of it. Um, so I want to sort of talk to both sides of, of that spectrum, of that political spectrum, on, on why you think they have the positions that they do. Um, starting with the left, why do you think people on the left, uh, whether they just be, um, you know, your, your good old boy liberals or, or if they're just complete socialists, you know, where do you think that they sort of get the argument wrong and where do you think they get the argument right when it comes to this? Yeah, I think um, 
I think what's good here is that people are focusing on kind of the human cost. They're seeing this human suffering um, and they really want to see an end to that. People are, like I said, families are being separated. Um, This kind of like mass deportation or trying to emphasize mass deportation is really heartbreaking. A lot of people know um, immigrant families. They they may know someone who is undocumented. And so the thought of losing you know, communities is really hard. Um, And so I really admire that. And I think that it's really easy to kind of just see this in a vacuum and say, okay, here's this one institution, it's bad, let's get rid of it. Um, But I'd like to see more, you know, this kind of idea of questioning these institutions expand. What are other institutions, government institutions that exist that are doing harm to people and what can we learn and if we're calling for the end of ICE you know what are other institutions that may be similarly um, unnecessary that are harming people mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I that I have been really sort of perplexed by and um, I, I kind of feel like they're sort of shooting their, themselves in the foot whenever they whenever I see this is that there are a lot of groups that will say um, and, and and march around the signs that say abolish ICE, and then in the same sign or in the same breath, it might have something that is has has practically nothing to do with you know immigration or or, or anything like that, and it's just basically um, all of their other political talking points put into it. Like there was this one um, from the I believe the Democratic Socialists of America. Um, and it said abolish ice, abolish profits, abolish, um, you know, all, all these other things, uh, that really weren't necessarily connected. Um, do you see that as, as potentially, you know, harmful to that cause it, whenever they sort of bunch it all in together and it sort of alienates people? Sure. Yeah. I definitely see that as being a problem, um, it's definitely alienating to a lot of people. And I think to people who, you know, like I said, this abolish ice movement, I've seen a lot, especially in the Liberty movement. And I'm, you know, I'm sure it's really easy when you see something like that to say, well, I'm, I agree about abolishing ice, but I don't want to support you guys because you, you know, want to see an end to capitalism or something like that. Um, and so I definitely get that hesitation. I think that on both sides, I mean, this is a problem, you know, everyone's seen this, especially since the election, kind of this partisanship of, I'm not going to agree with you, even if I agree with something you believe in, because you're not in my political camp. Yeah. And so I think this is a really good opportunity for people on both sides to kind of, like I said, build that bridge um, and accept people on this, you know, we agree and we wanting to abolish ICE. Maybe we don't agree on all the other talking points that aren't about that, like you said. Um, but we really want to see an end to this, so let's work together to do this. 
Um, so let's sort of flip the the uh, political ideology here that we're discussing um, and talk a little bit about the conservative end of the spectrum. You know, I, I saw this weekend, or maybe it was early earlier this week, um, the GOP was tweeting things about, the, the Twitter account of the GOP, that is, um, they were tweeting things about why ICE is necessary and good, and it seemed like just a very knee-jerk reaction to, oh, the left hates it, so we have to love it. Um, why are conservatives so fixated, or why, in your opinion, are conservatives uh, so fixated recently on keeping a government institution around when, um, for as long as I can remember, you know, I was, I, I come from a conservative background, abolishing, um, abolishing agencies was just like, you know, a staple point or, or, or uh, just something that was a given, uh, to a lot of conservatives. Why now do you think is there sort of this resurgence in, in making sure government grows and it's untouched by, um, anyone from any political faction? Yeah, I, this is something that I find also very fascinating. Like you said, abolishing these government agencies has been a staple on the conservative side, especially, you know, to save money, to get rid of government overreach, all your kind of classic arguments. And they, I mean, those arguments exist for ICE. So it is a really interesting thing to see that conservatives are really gung-ho about keeping ICE around. Um, I think there, I mean, there is kind of a loss of this con traditional conservative values, perhaps, um, about what the conservative party really stands for. Is it about personal freedom? Is it about less government spending and overreach? Or is it just about seeing my party win. I think that we, like I've said, we've seen a lot of this where I don't want to agree with you because, you know, I don't like you or your party. Um, and so there's kind of, like you said, that knee-jerk reaction to just say, well, we're going to support it because you hate it. Um, and that's kind of what I'm getting from it because, you know, there is no real reason for the conservatives to want to continue this huge government uh, program um, that's harming people and spending tons of money. Do you think that there is, a, is like any sort of market for, for that argument on the right, or do you think that's just a lost cause altogether? Uh, what do you mean? That, uh, like... The, the conservative argument that, you know, for abolishing ICE or for, mm. um, you know, for less restrictive immigration and, and things like that. Do you think that that is something that conservatives, um, that that can be a case that can be made to conservatives? Or do you think that just, it's just a complete lost cause and, and they don't want to hear any of it? You know, I, I would hope that there's a case to be made. I think there's a lot of good arguments that um, appeal to kind of conservative values and sensibilities. Um, but I think the more and more that people become extreme in their ideologies, the harder and harder it is to kind of rationalize these arguments. So I, I kind of see it as an extremities problem. Um, I mean, I think the same thing kind of happens on the left where it's, you know, you can say, okay, I agree in abolishing ICE, but I don't agree in ending capitalism, and they might not want to work with you either. So yeah. it's kind of this 
people wanting to be on the absolute extreme and you need to agree with everything I believe in or else I'm not going to listen to you. So I think that's kind of a bigger problem that we're, we're facing now. Right. Um, so one of the staples on this show is, is trying to, um, uh, sort of properly communicate, uh, the, these sort of messages and, and finding ways with unique individuals and different people who you wouldn't necessarily expect, uh, finding ways to connect with them and, and build relationships with them. What, in your opinion, is a way that the Liberty community can better uh, build those bridges among people, um, especially, you know, on the left, when we're in this very hyper-partisan state like we have been talking about? Um, how, can, how can libertarians and, and, and just liberty lovers um, really sort of make sure that we connect those dots with people? Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I live in the Bay Area. Um, I live in, so I live in a super liberal environment. Um, a lot of my friends are very liberal. Um, and so this is something that I feel kind of a close connection to. Um, I think that it, a lot of it is just listening to people and kind of trying to understand where they're coming from. I think for the most part, people have good intentions. Um, they, you know, like I said, the end to ice, a lot of it has to do with not wanting to see families torn apart, not wanting to see this human suffering. Um, and so there's a lot of emotional arguments on both ends. Um, and so you really have to just listen to people. Um, and when you agree with the point they're making, you should agree with it. Right. Um, and you can say, you know, I agree that this is a problem, but maybe I disagree with how to solve it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's trying to really open the dialogue in a respectful way um, rather than just kind of arguing over people or saying, you're wrong, there's no problem, or we should do this, but not that. Um, so I, yeah, I think that there's a lot of room to be made and just kind of treating people with respect rather than saying, because you have this different economic ideology than I do, you're dumb. Like, that's not going to solve anything. Right, so. right, yeah. Um, so... Obviously, ICE is more of a, a symptom of the, the greater uh, immigration issue that we have in the country right now. Um, what, are, what are some of the, the, the bigger, maybe more long-term solutions um, to fixing the overall immigration uh, uh, problem? And I would, I would consider it um, somewhat of a crisis, uh, in, especially in our current state. Um, what, are, what are some of the solutions that you would like to see occur within the next few years on how to better fix our immigration system? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, I totally agree. ICE is just a symptom of this bigger problem. Um, I, I mean, I personally would like to see kind of free and open borders, but mm -hmm. that I know is kind of a, a pipe dream, um, <laughs> something to work towards, but you know, it's right. not quite a policy solution. Right. Um, but I mean, in general, I'd like to see a simpler immigration process on a whole. You know, a lot of these people come here because it's very hard to get here. You know, there there's the kind of cons classic conservative argument, like, why don't you just get in line? But for some people, there isn't a line or it can take years, decades. I think I, I read not that long ago that... 
for high skilled workers in India, the wait for a visa is over a hundred years. That's over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, you know, the argument of just get in line doesn't really hold up. Um, so definitely trying to ease that process. People want to come here. They want to work here. They're going to be productive. Um, so we should embrace that, I think. Um, and kind of, you know, just make the process a lot simpler, a lot easier for people. Um, so probably one of the biggest pushbacks that I see to that is not necessarily that, you know, um, especially people on, on the right, they don't see that it's necessarily a problem to have the right people come here. They're more worried about um, if it becomes easier for the wrong people to get in. Do you think that's a valid concern, or do you think that that is just sort of blown out of proportion? Um, I think probably to an extent it's blown out of proportion. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get that, and obviously you don't want, you know, you don't want someone coming here and committing a crime, and we've, you know, destroyed family or property or whatever. I, yeah. I, I do understand that absolutely. And I, I'm not saying, you know, I want, you know, criminals to come here and destroy the United States. <laughs> um, but I think for the most part, these people are not, that's not what we're running into. We're running into people who want to bring their families here and start businesses and um, enrich their lives, give their children a better opportunity. Um, so, and, you know, when people come here, they're personally responsible for their actions. So if someone does commit a crime, a violent crime, then, I mean, yes, they are responsible for that. So they're still, we're not saying they're going to have immunity or anything. But like no no uh, <laughs> amnesty in the sense of, like, consequence-free. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Um, so I, and I, I completely agree with that. I think that the vast majority of the people who take the effort and take the risk knowing that, they could possibly, you know, be arrested or be deported. Um, if they know all those risks and they're still trying to come through here, then that tells me that there's something that they're trying to fight for or trying to run away from. Uh, that Absolutely. could be potentially a lot more dangerous than any of the risks that they face uh, coming here. So I, I entirely agree with, with that sentiment. Um Tell me, where can people find more um, sort of about these issues? Where, where, where did you learn primarily um, a lot about this, this kind of stuff um, focused on ICE and, and sort of immigration uh, in a broader sense? Yeah, um, well, my interest, it kind of comes from a personal interest. Um, mm-hmm. My parents were both born in Mexico. They lived in the United States pretty much their whole lives, but they are, I guess, for intent, all intents and purposes, immigrants. And I have a lot of immigrant um, family members. And so this started really as kind of a personal project for me, um, something I've always been interested in. I live in California. This is a huge topic ever, you know, since I was a child, even before. Um, but a lot of my learning um, has come from, you know, just reading a lot of articles. Um, I've read a lot on Cato. I think they're a great resource. They do some great work on immigration um, as well as reason. So um, those have kind of been the big places. I've uh, done a lot of re- like kind of heavy research, but um, just in general, reading other articles, this is a huge topic. There's a wealth of resource out there. 
Okay, and where can people find more of your work and where can people find you on uh, social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter um, at Vasquez Adriana. Um, and I post all my work there. So if you follow me, you'll be seeing it. <laughs> and uh, we'll be sure to certainly um, put this this article of yours in, in the show notes for this for this episode. So that way they can go check it out for themselves. Great. Um, thank you very much uh, for, for joining the program. I, I think this was really informative. I think this was a, uh, a much-needed uh, episode. There, we've had a few different immigration-themed uh, episodes, but uh, this is certainly none with the specific focus on, on ICE. Um, so it was, it was certainly well-needed, and thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me. And thank you uh, for everyone for listening. Um, be sure to follow me at Caleb Franz. On Twitter, be sure to follow the show at Liberty on Twitter, and subscribe to us on iTunes so that you will never miss an episode or an update. Um, and until next week, we'll see you.